following program is intended for mature audiences. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Let's talk football. Let's talk football. One constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. Been a lot of complaints already. Bad language, smoking grass. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Favorite week of the year, NFL Draft Week, Football Nerds Unite, just basically me and Michael. I said thanks for actually liking the draft because this week I'd have no one to talk to. It's like Fat Guy Olympic Week. It's the only week of this year that anybody gives a shit about any on an offensive lineman. Right! That's right, and that's fine. I'm okay with that. I am, I am comfortable with that. I've read so many mock drafts, but it's weird, like, the consensus, and we'll get to this in a little bit, nobody knows anything. Like, everybody has a different opinion. There's no consensus. Well, there's no big-time quarterback prospect, so that's why. I mean, I was texting with a buddy about that the other day, and he's like, I still think four are probably going to go in the first round. I'm like, that's fine, but they're not, like, there's no Trevor Lawrence. No. It's like a franchise-altering guy. You think out the gate. No. There's no Joe Burrow, you know? There's Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis, and that's it. Yeah. A quarterback from Liberty right. is going to go in the first round, And the other one was from Pitt, right? Yeah. And Did anybody see about any of these high... games? Who watched any I, of their games this year? I have no idea. I mean, you're a diehard college football fan. You didn't watch those guys. No. No, I didn't. I, did, I don't don't think maybe in a bowl game, but at the time I didn't be like, wasn't like, oh, this guy's going to be a first round pick in the yeah. NFL. I just watched it because football was on. But like nobody seems to know anything, um, which is kind of cool. But whatever. Usually, it seems like when this happens, like a like a D lineman will go one, and they usually don't pan out because you just don't really. I don't know. I mean. I guess Miles Garrett's pretty good. He went number one a couple years ago, but I always go back to like um, Big Daddy Wilkinson or you know <laughs> Steve, Steve Entman. Oh, Steve you Entman. You know, like Colts, yes. I mean, like some of these guys that yep. because there's no quarterback to alter my franchise, I'm just going to take this dude, dude who had a bunch of college sacks. Yep, and it usually just doesn't work that well. Well, they want this Michigan. Uh, Hutchinson guy to stay with the Lions, and I'm sure that'll be a, Is a that big. The offensive lineman's kid. It's a good question. Steve Hutchinson. I don't know. I I would think it's probably I don't know in that the relation that area that hasn't been part of my draft research because the Packers aren't going to pick. Well, him, he's a Big really Ten guy. Care. You should know. Well, you follow Michigan football. Harbaugh's your boy. You you have you're the you're you're a closet khaki wearer. You just wear them around the house. You don't <laughs> let anybody else see them. You just rock khakis at home, don't you? I didn't you? have a pair of khakis for years until <laughs> not, I and didn't non, even need to. Non-cargo khakis, just straight well, straight leg. I rocked those cargo khakis back in the day, you better believe, <laughs> for sure. I wasn't buying, what did, what, what does Harbaugh wear, the, the Dickies? Dickies, yeah. That cost him like $18 or uh, like $12 or something get, like that. You get that. those at any farming barn sure, around. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right, it is the intentional foul, and it is draft week. Got some nice feedback from our uh, from our man, Mr. Bame, on uh, last week's, who told me that, uh, or told us that you had some, some good rants, but you said you were a little bit pent up last week and needed to get some yeah. things. Yeah, well, and I can talk this week, so I, I, yeah. I don't choke on myself while, good. I'm, while I'm bitching. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it is, uh, it is draft week. First round's on Thursday. 
Second and third, I believe, are on Friday, and then the rest is on Saturday. I don't think they're doing any Sunday. I I can't even remember what this This has just turned into a made-for-television event. Rather than it being all weekend the way it used to be, now it's, of course, prime time, and that's what it's meant for, and that's fine, but it just means for guys that get up early, you can't stay up and watch the full thing, but I'll watch. I'll watch and see what the Packers do, and then I'll and then I'll hit the brakes and and go to bed. But two first round picks, two second round picks uh, for the Packers. Wide receiver has been obviously the consensus um, area of need agreed upon by both the beat writers that follow the team, and obviously the fans are just thirsting for anybody that's going to be able to do something and catch the ball. Um, I've watched, like I said, I've read a lot of mock drafts, and honestly, at this point, I don't really care. I want a guy with some speed. I want a guy who is ready. You know, um, that Olave kid from Ohio State, uh, Dotson from Penn State, Pickens from Georgia. Uh, those are three guys I wouldn't mind. I would really love them because they need to restock some defense now that they got rid of a couple edge rushers. I'd really like for him to take the uh, the Karloftis lineman from Purdue because he is one of those overachieving guys and I love guys that don't quit that have the high motor because you can do more with them you know what I mean you don't that's not something you're all they're going to get to the pros and they're going to find that if you have that ingrained all the better and he's one of those guys and I think that he would be a very productive guy uh, if you were to get to Green Bay so tight end they're going to need linemen I've seen safety in there as well yeah, I saw a little bit of that too. When yeah, I was looking. Um, just so, and maybe just for depth. Yeah, as much as anything. I, I mean, mean, those guys are, you know, and that's the thing with some of these teams. You look around, what regardless of what team you root for, and you're like, oh, we're good there, we're good there, and it's like, are you? Right. Because you know, one of these guys goes down, and all of a sudden you're 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 pulling, not good there. You know, I mean, look at the Packers last year. Um, Alexander goes down. You think, oh shit, we're screwed, and they pull that dude off the we're street. Soul, we're soul dog and, he, and he has the greatest five game stretch of his life where he's picking off everything thrown to him. That's probably not going to happen repeat, re- repeatedly. No. You know, that's a little lightning in a bottle. But um, yeah, I mean, you, sometimes you look, you think you look good, but if the best guy on the board happens to be at that spot, you may just have to take them anyway, especially when, you know, if you're the Bears and you got as many holes to plug as they do, or as we were just talking before we came on about the Packers and their special team woes, you know, you may have to look at that as well. I mean, you're not going to draft a quote-unquote special teams guy. No. But you want to be able to draft a guy who can play, play special, special teams. teams right away. Correct. So, And and like I told you, I don't know whether this, this Rich Passaccia guy is going to start playing some starters, but as you had mentioned before we uh, came in here, uh, to Studio B, I, I don't think you have a choice now because as bad as this Packers special teams have been, you got a guy who's done this and done it well at the coaching position, at, at the coordinator position. You don't have the guys, so none of them really have been starters. Maybe you plug a couple in there per unit, see what you can do, and pray they don't get hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, I mean, you can't have that be your Achilles heel for the three three years in a row. No. Where it significantly costs you either making the playoffs or winning a playoff game. Because at that point, then I think you have to start shifting your direction and you have to start looking at Lafleur and Gutekunst and going, what are you, what the hell's going on here? Mm-hmm. You know, 
you can blame the coaches a little bit and maybe some injuries a little bit the last two years. But if this happens again, now I think you have to start wondering, okay, is this a roster construction issue? Is this a head coaching, you know, whatever, discipline, whatever issue? Like, what's going on here? Well, the from, I mean, from the stuff that I was reading the last couple of years, it's like Lafleur was so set and intense and concentrated on getting the offense orchestrated to how he wanted it, and then defense have you've been rolling over defensive coordinators and trying to figure shit out. It's like special teams has just been flat out ignored. Mm-hmm. Well, here you go. There's mm-hmm. the byproduct of that. When right. you get into big situations, you need somebody not to fuck up. It, it doesn't happen, and it winds up costing you games. So big games. Yeah. So I like the fact that they at least went out and they said, yeah, well, maybe we better get a guy who's solely focused on that rather than some dude who's been on the coaching tree, who's a buddy of a buddy who worked for him and we know who he is and he's a hardworking guy. It doesn't matter if he's had experience in that arena. We'll just kind of elevate him because we want to keep him in house. Well, that clearly didn't work. So you get a guy who actually knows what the hell he's doing. Right. Um, so, yeah, Packers stuff, I have learned not to expect anything because every time you do, it doesn't happen the way you think, if, kind of think. With with so much uncertainty at the top in, in this particular draft, are you expecting more movement with some trades where maybe people are trying to get out of a high pick this year to maybe try to grab something in a future year? You know, if you're a... Um, if you're the Giants, I think they have the fifth and the seventh pick because they have the Bears pick as well. Do they maybe sit there and go, we don't need two picks here because we're not going to contend this year anyway. We need a franchise quarterback. There's not one in this draft. We've still got Daniel Jones. We can ride it out one more year, maybe package something here with a team that um, would like to get into the first round this year, like a Chicago Something like that. I mean, do do you think we'll see more movement this year? Have I, you read anything about that? I have, and there's been a lot of predicted trades, and the reasoning that is behind them makes sense when you read them. I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but I just read I just read Peter King's mock draft this morning, and he um, there wasn't a whole lot of sense sensible stuff that has I saw gone the on Saints there. is a possible team. Yes. I've seen the Seahawks as a possible Texans team. Texans are a possible team of, in there doing as well, some stuff yes. with like a top 10 pick. Yep. So there there might be some some flexibility there which would be kind of interesting. And like I said, uh, you know, when I was reading about the Giants, the team that they said that should be looking at trading with them is the Bears. Um, you know, maybe give up next year's first to get back into this year's first something along those lines because you know, the Bears only have 6 Total picks. Mm-hmm. They don't have a first rounder. They got two seconds and I think a third. Um, but they have a lot of holes to fill. Are you willing to give up future draft capital for immediate draft capital to try to plug some of these holes because you have this young franchise quarterback? I don't know. This is with this new regime. We have nothing. I have nothing to base anything on because right. these guys haven't haven't done anything. So, but it's like you. You've given up so much already in the past years. Do you want to keep doing that to add quick, you know, to try and add quick talent? If you're well, I think it depends on what kind of if if let's just say for instance, let's say the Bears package one of their second round picks this year and next year's first for pick number seven. Okay, okay, they get their own pick back. Let's say yep. 
if they trade, if they make that move and take Chris Olave at seven, I'm not thrilled. I like Chris Olave. I just don't know that I like him at seven having to give that up. If they trade up to seven and they get one of the top two left tackles in the draft, now I'm on board. So I think I think the pick for me would determine whether or not I would be willing, you know, who's there. That's what I mean. To how, get. how has the board well, unfolded? Yeah, and that's that's the problem with this year is because there is no consensus. There's so much uncertainty. It's like they Gudikins did his his pre draft presser today and it's like how much have you looked at, you know, trades and boards? He's go he said that they've gone through like every permutation and there's just so much different stuff that's gonna happen. They've gone through every variable scenario where if this guy's there, that guy's there, that guy's there, what do we do if they're gone, they're gone, they're gone. I mean, it's unbelievable how much preparation goes into this so that when it gets to you, you're not surprised about who's gone or who's there. But again, if it if it goes a different way and you're really worried about your guy, if, if, if your couple guys are gone the way you expected and you think a guy that you really like is going to be gone, you at least have capital to move up. I just, you're, in a sense, you're playing with house money, but you're kind of not. You know what I mean? Like, this is a good opportunity to get some guys who will be starters in maybe two to three seasons, depending on, you know, how many guys are jettisoned due to financial problems, injuries, trades, what have you. So it's like, it's really hard for me to want to package up one of these just to move up to grab somebody when you might be able to grab somebody who's just as good if you stand pat. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. That That's what I don't like. Is like, well, we could have had this guy back here and not given up anything. Mm-hmm. How good is the dude you moved up four spots for? How much better is he than the guy that you could have had if you just waited? Yeah, I mean, that's, you know always, I mean? that's always the... The thought process, I think, these GMs got to go through. And, you know, I even not knowing anything about how this particular Bears regime is going to draft and, and operate in the draft, I will be very surprised if their first selection, whether they trade up or whether they stay pat, I think their first pick's like 38, 39. Okay. I will be very, very surprised if it's not an offensive, offensive lineman. lineman. I think that based on everything I've heard and read, um, Ryan Poles, the new general manager, has not been happy with their offensive line, what they have. Um, you know, and and I don't think that you can – the Bears can't afford right now to reach no. for a guy. You know, last year in the, the, with their – they take Tevis Jenkins – Really highly rated kid out of Oklahoma State, I believe. I think that's where he came from, but whatever. Yeah. But he's downgraded because he's got back, back problems. Injury. And that's why he falls to them where he falls to them. I think he was a second rounder. And, you know, I think you have to pick the guy now that's going to be able to play right now for the Bears because you've got fields and you got to figure out what he is because. <laughs> As we've seen in the NFL, I mean, and even in the NBA, but especially in the NFL with these quarterbacks, those first contracts go by really fast. Like, you know pretty quickly with these top guys within about two or two and a half to three years, you know, what are they? what is that, about 
I don't know. You get around that 40-game mark. Mm-hmm. You kind of know whether or not this guy is is a bust, he can start, uh, and you'll be okay, or whether this is a guy you can build your franchise around. So, you know, the Bears have got 10 game or so sample size of fields, which I don't take a ton from. No. But there were some things that were concerning. There were some things to like, but there were some things that were concerning. But starting this year, I mean, this is this, is this two-year window for him where, you know, you you got to give him a chance to succeed, and that's that's where I was going to go. It's you know? like, well, you you, you got to give him some guys. You got to make sure he stays upright so he can do stuff. And I'm not super worried about wide receiver. I mean, they've got a lot of C plus right now on that roster. I mean, Darnell Mooney's their best receiver, and he's he's a slot guy, and he's a you know middle of the pack in the NFL slot guy at best. So you'd like to, you'd like for him to have a top target. Maybe that happens organically. Maybe you find somebody in the third round who just becomes Tyreek Hill, right. who, or he becomes Devontae Adams. Don't or they have that dude that can fly. Can he can he run routes? We'll see. But I I just think the Bears are going to be. I think if anything, I would be ultra conservative in this draft unless there's a way to move up for a guy that you have identified as the guy in the draft for you. Packers have 11 picks. Um, Each round they have at least one, multiples in the first, second, fourth, and seventh. They don't have a sixth-round pick. Yeah, I mean, it's too bad. I don't know if it's as much in football or not, but, like, the Packers are actually a great trade partner for the Bears to try to get get into the first round, Mm -hmm. honestly. I mean the Packers, or even get in, get another really good second round pick because they've got four of the top, right. whatever they got forty something or whatever. So, but I don't know how much they would trade in in division like that. That's always a little. Yeah, yeah I mean it's not ideal. You certainly right. don't want to help your rival if you no. if you can. So, um, yeah. So uh, Thursday night. I mean, obviously we. The weather right now actually is in our favor because that's the second game of the Parker Craig series, um, and the weather looks pretty shitty. So they might back that game up to Friday, so I'd actually be able to watch uh, the first round. Maybe go down to Chicago and and hang out with Michael. He might come up here. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but uh, <laughs> you had texted me. I didn't see this, and I I I read this the story this morning. Florida's a different place, man. Whether you are old and retired down there, whether you are raised there, whether you just live there, dumb stuff happens in Florida. It's nuts. And it knows no bounds. What do they call it? It's America's dick. I mean, if you just look at the map, it's just kind of hanging there. And a lot of the things that go on in Florida are just, they're messed up. I do. I didn't even know that the Bears had signed this guy, Byron Pringle. He get, they gave him $4.1, $4.2 million for one year, and then he proceeds to get his sports car with no license or registration and do donuts on a public road with some dude in the passenger seat and a kid in the back seat. What are you doing? What are you doing? It's a good question, man. It's a good oh question. I mean, what a way to make a, fir- uh, a first impression with your fan base. And then I read in the article that he was confrontational with the police officer. Well, of and, course he is. And, and, and Why resistant. Wouldn't he be? Why wouldn't he be? 
It's like when the cop says, yeah, we're going to have to place you under arrest for this. Like, your your first thing is to be like, why? Mm-hmm. What did I do? Yeah, I'm sure he was just what? profiling. <laughs> he was profiling you doing donuts with a kid in the car with expired tags on your vehicle. What a moron. Yeah, I mean, we were, we briefly talked about I would just cut him. Right. I would just I'm cut not him. not dealing with this I mean, shit. you're not that good anyway. I mean, if you were any good, Kansas City would have kept you for $4 million bucks. Um, cause that's where he came from and they're kind of in receiver hell right now. So if you were any good, I think you'd still be there. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, and it, it, one of the other things I read with the bears right now is, um, maybe them still needing help at receiver and possibly Kadarius Tony on the giants is somebody who they're kind of dangling out there. He's available first round pick last year for them, but it's like, He's another guy that's just got shit, though. He's what? got stuff hanging on him from from his past, and there's some character issues there. And it's like, no, like you've got a 22 year old franchise quarterback. You can't be bringing in knuckleheads. Like that's just not going to work. Michael had texted me about that earlier, and I didn't know that the Bears were either sniffing around or doing whatever. But he, Michael, said, "What? What would you?" Give up for that, and I I didn't know that there were there, there were character issues. I just looked at it. Cause I didn't I didn't pay attention to the Giants last year. I don't know who this guy was or there, where he was a first round guy. But it's like okay, well if he's a wide receiver, I'm at least interested in hearing about it because that's what the Packers need. Thirty nine catches for a quarterback they're not really invested in, and they're already getting rid of him after one year, and he's their first round yeah, pick. So I'm like fourth, fifth round maybe. See that—that's what Michael said. I didn't know whether I'd whether I'd go any higher, but if if you want to get rid of him, I'll give you bottom dollar for him, so that it doesn't cost us anything if we get burnt. Mm-hmm. You know, but that's that that would be a good policy. But I don't know you you, but like you said, chances are you probably just don't want to deal with that stuff, no. especially when you're trying to grow a team, right? All right, that's about all the NFL stuff. You, you have anything else no, on that? No. no. Okay. Let's... Yeah, I probably will. I'll casually watch Thursday. Um, yeah. You know, I'll keep an eye on Twitter and stuff just to, and in case the Bears do make jump a on pick. the clock. Sure. And I'll probably click over when when the Packers pick. But you know, I'll be I'll be knee deep in some NBA playoffs on Thursday. I'm sure. Um, speaking of that, uh, Bucks have outscored the Bulls down at the United Center by what. 56 or 57 points in two games, and it seems like that game two kind of kicked him in the ass uh, a little bit. That was a good game for uh, DeRozan. Middleton got hurt, but it seems like everybody was pretty unhappy with their play. I kind of texted you the last couple of games that I had watched, you know, sporadically to to check some stuff out, but um, I guess, you know, your interpretation of now with the Bucks uh, trying to close this out on, what, Wednesday, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, I didn't think they played very well in game one. They they ended up winning the game, um, but they weren't sharp. You know, a little bit you could attribute to they had had five days off. The Bulls weren't sharp either. It was just an ugly, ugly game one that the Bucks won, I think, just based on superior talent. Um, you know, game two, the Bulls win. DeRozan has a career high, playoff high of 40. Um, I, I, I knew that that was going to happen once I expected it in game three at home in Chicago, not necessarily in game two, but the bucks, you know, they, they let them get rolling. 
they messed around. Um, you know, they they got behind right away. They weren't ready to play. And then they allowed guys like Caruso and Tristan Thompson to be factors in the game. Then Bobby Portis takes an elbow to the face, cut, you know, scratches his cornea, misses the second half. Mm-hmm. Then Middleton goes down with the with the sprained MCL in the fourth quarter. Um, so they end up losing the game, and and you know, obviously at that point you didn't know the extent of Middleton's injury or Portis's. I actually felt okay, um, because I'm sitting there going, "Well, DeRozan had 40, Caruso played out of his mind, Middleton and Portis both got hurt." You sucked the whole game, really, as a team, with the exception of Giannis and Lopez. They lost by four. So I didn't feel that bad. Then we come to find out Middleton, MRI comes back, shows the sprained MCL. He's going to miss a couple of weeks. He's done for the series. Now you're a little concerned because the Bucks at times, we saw it last year in the playoffs, they go through these stretches even when Giannis Middleton and Holiday are on the floor, where they just run really bad offense. You know, they'll go like three minutes where it's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like Giannis will, you know, Giannis will come down and take a transition three, and Holiday will go in the lane and turn it over, and Middleton will take a stupid contested shot. And it's just kind of like, what? Why? Why do they have these lapses? Well, with Middleton out, I was a little fearful that that could be exacerbated, and then I was curious. What were they going to do in the lineup? Do you go big with Portis? Do you go a little smaller and maybe put Grayson Allen back in, even though Grayson Allen had been atrocious the first two games? Well, they go big, which was the right decision, and they just physically manhandled the Bulls in Game 3. And um, and Grayson Allen finally, after about two months, comes out of his shooting funk and makes everything he throws up while his teammates boo the shit out of him every time, which is hilarious. This is the best sidebar to the playoffs that that I've seen. Um, There was a great picture uh, that Bucks' Bucks website had where Grayson Allen, he he had scored and got fouled, and he kind of did a little, you know, he's kind of walking on the baseline, coming back onto the court, and you can see, like, Holiday and Lopez and all these guys, they're just booing him, which is hilarious. And he, everybody seems to get a big kick out of it. Um, but in, in game three, I mean, the defense was great. Holiday just absolutely shut down DeRozan. They figured out if you can force him and Levine to their left, you really, really stifle their offense. Um, then you had to game four yesterday, which was close for a while. But again, another Bucks beat down. Portis was great. Um Grayson Allen again had twenty seven. I think he he's like ten for thirteen from three or something in the last two games. It's ridiculous. Um, definitely his best two game stretch is a buck, and um, you know, and then Giannis just continues. You know, in game three his numbers were a little low because it was such a blowout, but he was phenomenal. I mean. Drawing the double team, passing out at the right time, finding guys um, at the right time in the right spot, putting the ball on time in the shooting pocket so these guys, all they got to do is catch a shoot. He was great in game three. And then game four, he just dominated. I think he had 32-17-7. Um, 
right now he's the best player in the league. I there's still a lot of people in the media that are trying their their absolute damnedest to deny it, and they all keep coming back to the same argument, which is so tired, and I don't really get it. Um, they keep trying to knock Giannis down because he's not quote unquote skilled enough, and it's this it's this new age argument that a lot of people have used with putting LeBron over Jordan, and we see it with people that want to put Kevin Durant as the best player in the league over Giannis or even Embiid and Jokic over Giannis. They keep going back to this, he's not as skilled. I don't ever in my life remember hearing that argument about Bird, Kareem, Shaq, even really Magic and, like... When people were arguing about who's better, Magic or Michael, back in like the late 80s, early 90s, the conversation was never, well, Magic's more skilled than Michael, or Michael's more... No, it was just like you watched the game and you knew who the better player was. Like, I didn't didn't need a fucking dissertation on it. I could just... I have eyeballs. And I don't understand why in this generation... And it's not just... It's not just like it's a bunch of 18-year-olds on Twitter, like... These are grown-ass men, some of them even former NBA players. They're on TV or on the radio or in the media in some form that are that have, like, changed the narrative, and I don't understand why. I, I, I just, you know, like I said, when Shaq was destroying people in the late 90s, early 2000s, nobody was but like... But he's not very skilled. Nobody's going, yeah, but, you know, Tim Duncan might be better. He's more skilled. No. Shaq's the first guy I thought of when you brought no, that up. The, the, nobody said, well, you know, when they were comparing Dr. J and Bird in the 80s, it wasn't, well, you know, Larry Bird, he's, he's, he's more skilled than Dr. J. No, he was just better. He was just better at playing basketball. He dominated more than Dr. J did. And Giannis is the most dominant guy in the league. If Giannis had done the other night what Kevin Durant did, he had, I think Kevin Durant had 11 points. He took one shot in the fourth quarter as they lost game three to go down 0-3. Giannis would have been eviscerated. Now, Durant was eviscerated, but there, there's always this caveat with Durant of, well, but God, he's like the most skilled guy we've ever seen. I don't give a shit. Who cares? <laughs> At the end of the day, you do what you do, and your team either wins or loses, and right now, Giannis keeps doing what he's doing every single playoff game for the last two years, and the Bucks keep winning. So I, I, I just I wish these people would admit it. It doesn't mean he's the greatest of all time. It doesn't even mean that in six months he's the greatest. But today, he's the greatest and best player in the league. Just say it. I like it when you go on these little mini rants. It's good. Drives me nuts. Tip time for uh, Wednesday night has not yet been announced. I think they're waiting to see if any other series kind of wrap yeah. up before they figure out where to put that game. I don't so. know why they needed to have the extra day off. I mean, I know it's for TV. Okay, but. so now let me ask you about that because when they had the first game, I can't remember when it was, they waited three days or something yeah. in between. Yeah. When all the other series went a day sooner. Now this is the second time in the series they've waited an extra day. Do you know why well, that it's, is? It's, it's something with the networks. I'm not, I'm not sure why the NBA has scheduled it out that way because it, it, and it, if Brooklyn loses tonight, that series is over. Done. So 
Boston has to probably will have to wait till I would say if that right. series ends tonight and the Bucks series ends Wednesday, I think they'd probably start Saturday. Okay. Um, but if the Bucks were to lose Game Five then and have just, to go back to Chicago, like Boston could be sitting for a long yeah. time. Where if the this game was tomorrow instead of Wednesday, it, it could shorten it up a little bit. I don't know. I, I'm not sure why they've chosen that particular series to do that, but they have. Uh, Miami is up on Atlanta three to one. Um, yeah, in that series, um, dominated the first two at home. Trey Young had a good game, hit a late basket in Game Three to kind of you know get that one home game. Um, Kyle Lowry did get hurt, did not play last night. It didn't matter. Miami slaughtered him. I think that one ends Tuesday uh, in five. Okay, Philly up three to one on Toronto. Um, and did you originally think that was going to be a sweep? I can't remember from last well, week or two ago. I, before the playoffs started, I thought it was going to be a hell of a series. I thought it was okay. a team that was going to give Philly problems, and then the first three games they just destroyed Toronto. So um, I thought it was going to be a sweep after that. Toronto showed a lot of heart, won game four. Um, there's been a lot of complaining in that series about the officiating. Pretty much to be expected when you have Embiid and James Harden on Philadelphia. They're two of the biggest floppers and flailers in the league. I mean, I really like Joel Embiid. I think he's a hell of a player, but the guy's seven foot one, two hundred and seventy five pounds, and he shouldn't be flopping and flailing like that. I just I just don't think he I think he's better than that. I don't mm-hmm. think he needs to do that. Um, but there's been a lot of bitching. He got fined today for some things that he said. Uh, Nick Nurse, the the Raptor coach, who I believe was fined after like game two. Um, one bit of injury news: it has been confirmed. Embiid did tear the ligaments in his right thumb. Oh, uh, it's going to require surgery. He's going to try to play through it as long as he can. Holy mackerel! But that does not bode well for Philadelphia. The oh. longer they go, you know, it's not going to take much more than a couple slaps on that hand by, ah. by some big strong dudes. We'll we'll see how long he can go because and they're going to run into Miami next round. Exactly. And Miami is tough and physical and calculating as they are, they're going to go after it. And I would too. That's that's what Man. you do. Well, like you had mentioned about the about the Celtics, they're up on Brooklyn 3 to nothing and can close it out tonight. Boston's really good. They're really good. Um I mean, Jason Tatum is taking that next step. He's He's one of the seven or eight best players in the league. J- J- uh, Jalen Brown is is really good in his own right. Um, and that team, they're just tough, man. They play their ass off. They got a great home crowd. Um, They've beat up Brooklyn. The net, and the referees have allowed them to be <laughs> super, super physical with Durant, which if there's one weakness in Durant's game, it's his physical strength. Um. I, I'm shocked though that this is three to nothing. Um I mean for Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in year three three together, with the possibility of only winning one playoff series in three years, I don't think anybody would have believed that. Um seems like they're a good team to root against though. They they have the villain role. Yeah down across the league well, very and, nicely. And, and I, I kind of wish that they were smart enough to just embrace it, but they're not. They've really resisted it, and they act like they don't get it. Like they, like Kyrie Irving 
doesn't understand why the Boston fans hate his guts. I remember and, you mentioned that last and week. Kevin Durant doesn't understand why people didn't like him going to Golden State. It's they're very not self aware when it comes to that. Um, is that an NBA athlete thing, or is that just a star athlete thing? Period. I think it's an I think it's an NBA slash like wide receiver <laughs> cornerback. You know, like the, it's that sure diva ish. Yep. Because you're kind of an individual, like even a wide receiver, like you're on the team, but like you're just out there by yourself, so yes. you're kind of your own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I just the the tone deafness, the things that Kyrie has said after a couple of these games, you know, um, what they they said earlier in the year that they they didn't really even need a coach. Uh, <laughs> Kyrie had said that he could coach, Kevin could coach. Oh, well, apparently Steve Nash can't, can't. coach because. They have been thoroughly outcoached in all three games. Um, I feel bad for Nash. He's a good guy. Everybody seems to like him. Um, he's, he's, in a, he's in a really tough situation. He's a, he never coached before. And now he's saddled with a bunch of egos yeah. and, and, then and you, injuries. You, know, you, and... You, you, get, you, you sign up last year. You got Katie and Kyrie. Then you get James Harden. Like, how, how can you fuck this up? And then, you know, the injuries happen last year in the playoffs. You don't win. And then the debacle of the Kyrie vaccination thing, which inevitably pissed Harden off to want to get out. And things just implode. Then you get Ben Simmons back in the trade who literally doesn't want to play in the NBA right now. But he wants his money. So he was reported to be ready to go in game three. Yeah. Didn't end up playing. Then they said he was definitely going to play tonight in Game Four, and then it came out last night he's he woke up with back soreness. I, I said on Twitter, the dude's just a mental midget. That's all there is to it. Um, you know, he would never have survived an era's past. He's very fortunate that he plays in this this Charmin soft era that we live in now, where you know people are scared to criticize him because we might hurt his feelings. Um, but the dude flat out doesn't want to play. And I I don't know I don't know where Brooklyn's gonna go forward with this I I don't know how you bring those three back and Steve Nash and say hey we're gonna do this again right but usually it's not gonna be in they're not gonna do the the coach any favors though usually in this situation will they I don't know because after all they've been through well, like, with the Simmons and the Harden and I mean I'm not the Kyrie. sure I'm not sure as much as I don't think Steve Nash is a very good coach today he might eventually be but today he's not I don't know who they go get that's going to drastically change the culture because the culture is Durant and Irving they are the Nets culture and they're kind of aloof different kind of thinking guys and I'm not even saying that they're I I don't like Kyrie Irving I don't know that he's a bad guy all the other players in the league he's like your favorite player's favorite player is the way I've heard him described but I just don't think I'd want to be on his team you know like we've we've seen it in all sports there's a lot of guys over the years that have had a lot of talent and put up a lot of big time stats their teams never win anything. And Kyrie's kind of riding that shot he hit five years ago against Golden State to win the title with LeBron. 
he's kind of been riding that where like you can't criticize him fully because he's got that in his pocket. And it's like, dude, that was half a decade ago. Right. Like they said the other day on TV, he's played eleven years in the NBA. He's only played over sixty games four times. So, I mean, if you want to give this dude a multi-year deal, do so at your own peril because he's only going to play half the time. The proof is in the pudding, and he's getting older. Right. Like, he ain't going to get healthier as he gets into his 30s as a small guy. That's just not how it works. Is he going to get crazier, too? Because it seems like there's something every year where people, he says something, and people look at him like, what did you just say? Money and fame do some weird things to people, man. It just does. All right, out west... Uh, how surprising is this with the Suns and the Pelicans tied at two? Well, Devin Booker getting hurt is major for the Suns. I mean, he's their best player, even though Chris Paul's there. That's huge. I have been surprised, though, at how well the Pelicans have played. And I'll tell you what, I watched that whole game last night. Mm-hmm. They are not scared. And they got a lot of really young, like under 21, 22-year-old dudes on that team. They are not scared of the Suns. They are not intimidated. Chris Paul was running his mouth last night. Them guys didn't give a shit. Brandon Ingram has become a really, really good player. Suns are in trouble. They better win uh, Game 5 tomorrow, or I think they're going to lose the series. I really do, because it doesn't sound like Booker. He's still a couple weeks from being back. It's one of those things. If the Suns can get out of this series, I think they'll make the conference finals and be okay because I think they could beat Dallas or Utah without Booker. But this is a really tough matchup for them. The Pelicans are really young, they're really athletic, and they're too young and dumb to know that they're not (laughs) supposed to be 2-2 to right now. You know what I mean? Nobody told them. It's just a damn shame to watch this series and watch that team and look at Zion on the bench in street clothes. It's just, it's as a basketball fan, it's a shame. I'm not a Pelican fan. I'm not even a Zion fan. I don't really care at this point. But as a basketball fan, like, if he was in this series, I don't think that it would be a surprise at all if they beat the Suns. But, unfortunately, he's sitting there on the bench, and we get to watch him dunk, put the ball under his leg and dunk in a fucking Twitter video that's on from his pregame warm-up. Great. Play a game. When is this... Gonna, I don't know. Doesn't I, mean, sound, I, I don't think he's playing this year. Well, it's, this could be one of the big all-time like catastrophes for guys that have been projected to be just spectacular. Well, and, and, and now the, the thing is, is like, is he going to? Everybody away? knows how good he is because he was when he's played, he's been really good. But there, there just keeps you being all this other shit. Got to stay on the court. Yeah. Uh, Dallas and Utah also tied at two. That series uh, going to have a game five tonight. Yeah, Luca came back, played game four. Um, I don't know that he should have. This is a weird one. Like, if Utah loses a series, I think that team gets blown up. I think their coach gets fired. I think Gobert and Donovan Mitchell probably one of and maybe both get traded because, I mean, this has kind of been the same Utah team for the last three or four years, and they just can't get over the hump. Um, is it weird that a lot of these Western Conference series are in the first round are showing a little bit more parity because of these injuries? Like, you got three out of the four that are tied at two if you yeah. count Memphis and, and Minnesota. Well, I think the injuries is the reason. I mean, you know, the Booker injury and Luka missing the first couple games, I think, 
tilted the scales a little bit. Utah-Dallas, I, I kind of figured that would be a long one. Excuse me, those two teams are pretty even, but um, I, I, I really don't know. I, I Again, I don't see either of these teams advancing past Phoenix, mm-hmm. but if the Pelicans were to be there, that's a nice little roadmap for Luka to find himself in the conference finals. Um, jump ahead to the uh, the other series that's tied it to the, the the Grizzlies and the Timberwolves. This has seemed like it. I watched the other game was I I think it was probably Game Three where Minnesota was up by a hundred something like yeah, that. I think and, it was like twenty eight or twenty six. And then I watched over the course of the next few minutes that lead just evaporate, mm-hmm. and I just kind of went, "Wait a minute, Memphis is winning." Yeah, what has happened? This has been a very, very chippy series. This has been a another heavily, heavily criticized series when it comes to the refereeing. Taylor Jenkins for Memphis after Game Four went kind of just went off in the in the post game press conference. Said it was embarrassing. Said it was arrogant. Um, said there was a couple of plays that were uh, called where there was a foul. The whistle blew before the foul actually happened. There was one instance um, where a foul was called on Memphis, an offensive foul on a guy. They reviewed it. It got overturned. And, like, two plays later, the same guy came down the floor and got called for another offensive foul. And allegedly the referee said, reverse this. So... Yeah, I don't know. This has been a really good series, though. You got two young, hungry teams with some young stars. Um, I think game five tonight is going to be a hell of a game. But uh, I still like Memphis to win, but I Mm -hmm. think this one goes seven. Um, And why are the people super gluing themselves and chaining themselves and running on? Is this because of what they're doing to the the chickens? chickens? So Glenn Taylor, who the owns avian flu. yeah, Glenn Taylor, who owns the T Wolves, okay, yeah. he owns like he must be heavily into chickens and eggs and poultry and whatever. So because of that bird flu, they had to they slaughter had to, they a had, bunch to, of, they had yeah. to kill like five million chickens, mm-hmm. and apparently the way they chose to do it, I don't know how, I, I don't know the particulars, but it's something like these these gigantic chicken coops or whatever. I guess they just shut the ventilation off and... Suffocated them. Basically, yeah. So these whack-job PETA hippie idiots are finding ways to try to protest. And, yeah, one woman glued her hand with Elmer's glue <laughs> to the floor. Um, one woman actually handcuffed herself to the to the stanchion underneath the basket. Saw that. And then the other night... Oh, man. A woman... Well, one... There were two Two women there. sitting. One woman tried to get on the court and got trucked by a security guard who was watching her like a hawk Hawk. the whole time. That was a great video, and he knew something was up. Yeah. Well, the the woman that ran on the court apparently had a homemade referee jersey on, and she was going to run out onto the court and go over to Glenn Taylor and give him a technical foul and he jacked him. That 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 was that was the big that was the big plan. And then yeah, there was some other woman that was there with her that they dragged out. Brilliant so, bumpkin. I, I'm sure this isn't over. But like I like I was talking to my dad about it today. I'm like, well what did they want him to do to the birds? Like if there's this virus, 
and the birds are essentially like poisoned, if what you, are you supposed to do with them? Do you ask Peter how do we humanely kill this like, many birds? Can we do we just go get the old axe and the block of wood and just start lopping Line off them heads? Up. Line them up. I don't know. Do you, uh, you you don't want to you know you, you don't want to lose your infrastructure, so you're just not going to burn the buildings to the ground. Like, listen, I like animals as much as anybody. But I'm not dedicating my life and risk going to jail over some damn chickens. If I eat it, I ain't going to jail for it. We've seen it's it's a growing thing over the last decade. People pick some weird-ass hills to go die on, man. Right? Very weird. And this is this is apparently... Like, I'm the defender of all things chicken. That's what I'm going to dedicate my life to. It reminds me a little bit, and I don't know whether we brought this up in a previous one. It reminds me of the cause heads in PCU. Yeah. What are we doing this week? Mm-hmm. And they're even shouting some protests or whatever, and the guy says at one point, that was last week. Mm-hmm. The guy's uninformed. It's like... This is it's what, always something with with somebody's got to do people. something. There's a certain, it's small. There's a small segment of the population in this country that is just always something. And if you want to go hold a rally outside his company and and fly your banners and do whatever, my mom was just up at the Capitol for some mustangs and some horses and some treatment out you know out west for some land, and that's fine. You want to go do that, but do we have to be doing this? in public and disrupting other things that have really nothing well, to do with what your but cause the, but, is. You know, and your mom is not this, those people like at these games, they're professional protesters. This is their, this is their job. This is what they do. And it, you feel bad for them because those people are usually perpetually pissed off. I mean, I don't know what happened to them at some point. Something must've really fucked them over because normal people don't act that way. It's just, they just don't. <laughs> I get we all get mad about stuff right. we all have you know a, a cause we want to support we you know we want to donate the you know sure. a cancer fund or we want to save the horses and whatnot I get it but some of these people man it's they're mad about the chickens and then they're mad about the politics and then they're mad about the religion religion and then you can't say gay apparently and now they're mad at Disney and it's like <laughs> dude just have a donut and shut the fuck up Go away. Final series in the West is uh, Golden State and Denver. That one could that wrap one's up over. On, on Wednesday as well. That one's over. It's just a matter of time. Right. Cle- clearly, Golden State is better than Denver, but uh, okay. Jokic will still probably get the MVP. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. All right, that's, uh, that's a lot of NBA. Uh, let's do some baseball where the Brewers are... They were winning when we got in here. That was about 45 minutes ago. Uh, I don't know what the score is now. Uh, they have the, the the weird way that they have rescheduled the games. They have the Giants. So they were just in, in Philly for three over the weekend. And because they had a scheduled off day today, Monday, as we record this, and the se- the first half or the first week of the season was wiped out because of the lockout. They had to reschedule games, and they decided to plop this game at home in the middle of two series in Pennsylvania. So they flew home after their game against Philly, which was a night game, Sunday night baseball, and then they came home to play the Giants, and they're flying out to go back to Pittsburgh for three more games. Mm-hmm. It's It makes no sense. If this is the way that you got to do it, okay, fine. 
Um, well, but baseball it, just desperate to get those 162 games. Right? Back. That's what it is. That's what it seems like. Yeah. And they got a doubleheader schedule down the road, I think, and they're going to extend the, the season for an extra series. So, um, whatever. Honestly, they just took two out of three from, from Philly. Um, one nothing, and then they before that they sweep Pittsburgh because the Cardinals lost uh, t- to the Reds and the Brewers won. Now they're uh, they're sitting in first. Essentially, I think it's by a half a game or something like that. Yeah, get so. used to this. It's yeah. going to be the Brewers and the Cardinals, and the rest of the division is trash. <laughs> I mean, Pittsburgh got the Cubs hung twenty on Pittsburgh the other day. The Brewers outscored them fifteen to five at home. The Brewers can't even hit. Right. I mean, like it's the the rest of the division stinks. We're very fortunate that sixty games this year are against the Cubs, the Reds, and the Pirates. Mm-hmm. I mean. You should go forty and twenty minutes. I was just gonna say you you, you take two out yeah. of three from all you those go forty and, and twenty. You're, you're, you're sitting good. Yes, you're sitting good. But <laughs> I watched some of the Sunday night baseball game last night, and I, my dad just texted me in the first inning, and he just says the Brewers get less national respect than the Bucks do, and it was like, yeah, they do. I watched yeah. that first inning, and all they did was talk about oh. the Phillies. Yep, I didn't watch much of it, but when I tuned in, it was pretty much all Philadelphia, and I went, okay, but there's another team here. Yeah, it's like, Ooh. when does the Phillies do anything? Yeah. Like, like what the fuck? They, they did some cool next-level analytic stuff on Devin Williams and looked at his looked at his grip and the rotation for that for that changeup that he throws, which, again, he had he had a little bit of early issue, but, you know, Hayter came in and, and locked it down for the win. Benefited uh, with Kyle Schwarber, <laughs> thanks to Angel Hernandez, by the way. Man. I... You and I talk a lot about officiating, and it doesn't matter the sport, and, and we just had kind of something pop up in our high school game last week. So we had our first two broadcasts. The umpire in the first game, which was Parker and Verona, gave you a couple inches on either side of the plate, but he was consistent. So after the first two innings, those pitches that wound up in the same place were strikes. You at least know after the first two innings you're going to keep getting that. What we saw on Thursday with Craig and Sun Prairie, the dude was all over the board. You didn't know what was going to be a strike wherever it landed or a ball or what have you. It's like, I don't care if you have a little bit of expanded strike zone, but you have to establish it. If that's your MO, people will know that. It's when you go back and forth and all of a sudden you tighten up and you try to box the guys, or then you get one that's way off the plane. It's like, wait a minute. Two innings ago, that wasn't that was the same pitch that you called differently. It's well, and that's Angel why Hernandez seems to be the biggest defender of these types of guys. He's the worst umpire in baseball. Yes, he's he's by far the worst behind the plate, and he's also the worst in the field. Yes, but that's all of what you just said. That's why you rarely see guys get kicked out in the first three innings. It's in the seventh inning. When all night long you haven't been calling the low strike, you haven't mm-hmm. been calling the low strike, and all of a sudden the 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 setup guy comes in, and now all of a sudden you're calling low strikes against me. That's when the hitter gets fired up. That's when the bench gets fired up. In Angel Hernandez's case, he's he's just a disaster all night long every single time he's back there, and that's what Schwarber even said. You could read his lips. He said, you all were night. bad with us, yep. you were bad with them, you've been shit all night, up, down, inside, outside, you're all over the place. And even Council admitted it. Yeah, at, well, at, at and the McCutcheon end. was on with Van Pelt after the game, and he admitted it. He's like, I think Kyle Schwarber was speaking for both teams, and I think he was speaking for the fans. It's just, 
it's not it's bad baseball. It's not enjoyable to watch. So I found these after some retweets, and I didn't know they existed. And up until uh, a few days ago, there's two uh, Twitter accounts called Umpire Auditor and Umpire Scorecard, and it gives you the grading and and the report performance review of these guys, so you know who the worst is. And and one from last night from Umpire Auditor says that Angel Hernandez was the lowest-rated umpire of the entire day, missed 19 calls, and had a correct percentage of 85.3%. 19 calls. You imagine a team having 19 errors, or a ba- like when a basketball team has 19 turnovers? He rang up six batters on pitches that were outside the zone and called a strike to Gene Segura that missed by a season high 6.47 inches. Six and a half inches off that's the half plate. half a foot. And that's a strike. Right. No. I mean, that's... You got to be better than that, man. That That's not good enough. And, no. you know, we... Like you said, we... we You know, we sit through 50 basketball games in the in the winter. And, and what do I always say when it comes to the referees? Just be consistent. If right. you're going to let it be physical, then let it be physical. If you're going to call everything, then call everything. But this half and half shit... It don't work for me. So here's the scorecard from, from umpire scorecard on, on, on Angel Hernandez. How many runs did it say benefit Milwaukee right in the middle there in the yellow? Plus .77. How much did they win by? One. Right. There you, there go. you go. There you go. That's basically all the calls that he had contributed to that one run, which won the Brewers the game. Well, and I had a guy at work today. He's, you know, I was talking to him about it, and he's a big Brewer fan, and he's like, I don't know why they don't fire that guy. I said, well... Number one, he's in a union. I was going to say, it's an umpire's union. And number two, not only is he in a union, his last name's Hernandez. He ain't going nowhere until his, he's ready to retire. It just is what it is. But what is going to happen is he is going to single-handedly be the reason why they have the electric strikes. Ro- robot umpires. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I don't doubt it. And, the, and there's a couple of guys who you know by name. If you hear, even though you... D- and I always say the worst thing I think in sports is that we know referee by name. Right. I think that is the I think that is the dumbest thing in sports is that we have to know these guys' names. Why? They're there to there's they're there to be like your five year old. Just there. Seen and not heard. Right. But but that's not what happens. Or actually heard and not even really seen. But if they're if they're egregious enough at their job. I want to know who the hell that is. It's the same. It's the same thing. Like when we talked to some of the coaches, but like we knew Joe West was a red ass umpire for twenty five years, <laughs> and it's like, oh, you know, Joe West. Yeah. It's like, no, fuck Joe West. Get Joe West out of here. He's wrecking games. Yeah, go. But people are powerless to do anything about this. Apparently, they can't do it. That's why um, they're in a union. So protects the shit bags. It just does, <laughs> unfortunately. So Brewers are, again, Giants today and then uh, in Pittsburgh for three with, with the Pirates and then the Cubs at home for next week. I happened to read an article, I think it was yesterday in the state in the Milwaukee Journal, um, talking about uh, the Brewers pitching staff with the electronic signals, the, oh, right. the, yeah. the, the, mm-hmm. the stuff on the wrist and in, in the ear. Didn't they try it? The battery went dead or well, something like that? Yeah, well, it was interesting, some of the quotes from the guys. Um you know, it's 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 pitcher catcher are deciding whether or not to use it, and and right now the only Brewer pitcher still using it is Corbin Burns. Um, everybody else has scrapped it for various reasons. 
Um, you know, a guy like Brent Suter, for example, very, very fast-paced. So I, I don't want to wait for this. No, I don't want to wait for this. Like, so I believe he said in the article in spring training, MLB allowed him to get the signal before he was on the rubber because of the pace that he wanted to play with. But I don't think that that's allowed in the season because they, otherwise you got You can't make rules for one guy, yada, yada, yada. I get it. And then there's also guys that work slower that maybe they don't want it quite that fast, and then they got to stand there and kind of think about it and go through their routine. So it's it's just it's interesting who's liked it, who hasn't. Um, Suter said it worked well in spring training, but there wasn't anybody there. When they've gotten into stadiums like opening day and a couple of those games at Wrigley, when it got loud, the pitcher was having trouble hearing the command coming from the, the whatever the device in their hat, I think it is. Um so it's just it's interesting to see, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I mean, you know, if you're having trouble hearing in April, how the hell are you going to hear in the in a playoff game? Right. And that was something that I had thought about early on. Like, it'd be different if they actually had like a like a secret service type earpiece in, but that's yeah. not what it is. It's like something I think like above the ear, attached to the hat. So yeah, when it's loud, I, I don't know how you're going to hear it. You don't want to turn it up so loud no, where anybody else on the on field can hear base it. Will be able to hear you. Yeah. So it's just interesting. You know, it's one of those changes that they're they're trying to make in baseball, and <laughs> baseball what's, is just something else. Man. What's the change that they've made now with the pitch clock at the minor league level? That's already cut. 20-some minutes off a game or, or one league that they have yeah, done. Yeah, I heard about that. And it's like, so now the game, now the the games down there are averaging like two and a half hours or two hours and 20 but, minutes but, or something. But pro games are always longer anyway than the minor league stuff. You know, they these guys, they just, you know, they they overwork the BB, as you say. Oh, I like it, you know, yeah. On the bench and with these pitching changes yep. and the, the pitching and all that and shit. Holding just, guys on base. You know, and, baseball, you know. it... You know, it takes. I, I mean, I, I damn near can watch two NBA playoff games during one Brewer game. <laughs> like that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. Baseball's got some got some things they got to work out for sure. And you know, and then there's there's some shit that's gone on. It, 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 this shit always seems to happen in April, where the unwritten rules thing comes in. Did you see any of this with uh, with the Giants this week? Apparently. They were playing the Nationals, and uh, I think the Giants were up six to one or something. And a guy bunted for a base hit. Oh, or no, yes. they, were, they were not. They weren't playing the Nationals. They were playing the Padres. Guy yes. bunted for a base hit. Eric Hosmer, the Padre first baseman, got all yanked off about it. And then I think yesterday or, or else the night before, they were playing the Nationals, and it was like seven to two or something. And a, and a guy for the it was ninth, eighth, ninth inning, guy for the Giants got on. He stole second. There was a bloop into the outfield, and he tried to score, and he got thrown out. And then as he's walking off the field, Alcides Escobar, who's the shortstop for the Nationals, is barking at this guy for trying to run it up. up. And number one, it's not super surprising that red-ass Ned Yost transferred all of his red-assness to the guys that used to be on the Royals because Escobar's an Mm ex-Royal and Hosmer's an ex-Royal, and they got a little bit of that cardinal-ish... We know how to play better than you do, yep. complex. But isn't it super weird that baseball, more than any other sport, 
there's like a time in the game when the other team expects you to take it easy. The Isn't o- that weird? The only time I've ever seen that to that level is high school football. Well, right, but I'm talking pros. Oh, yeah. I'm talking pros. Yeah. Like, if you look at hockey, you look at basketball, and you look at football, like, for some reason in baseball, it's like, okay, if it's the eighth inning and it's nine to one, like, the team with nine, like, just just take it easy. Position player comes into pitch. But it's like, well, but are you taking it easy? No, you still got, you can still come back. It's a baseball game. Like, yeah, there's but been plenty the, of times people score seven, eight, nine runs in a game. In I've a already seen position players probably three or four times come in when they're down it's by thing, eight. It's one thing if it's and, eighteen to two and they just give up. It, but like seven to one, like, are you kidding me? That's a game to me. That's of course, that's, that's still a game. That's nothing. No, we've seen that happen a million times where teams score more runs than that in an inning. It's just weird. This the. The whole unwritten rule thing of baseball. How about fucking writing them down then? Somebody, Let, let's let's make some, this clear. Somebody get a book. Let's make Fine. this clear. Let's be like the LaFollette girls softball team that quit in the third inning. <laughs> if you're beating us too badly, we're just done. Because otherwise our feelings are going to get hurt if you guys try to keep playing. Players are going to want to quit. You know, I, I just, I don't understand it. It's very strange. I'd like to go look up how like what their record is and what they've been beaten by for like margin of victory just to see because if you're if you're throwing in the towel at 27 to nothing after two and a half innings yeah we're talking about the Lafollette girls softball oh. team who gave up gave up gave literally up gave up in the third inning say yeah we're done yep i i I've, I've never seen that in a column before but so then you got all that shit going on in baseball and then there's the debacle in New York with the dirtbag Yankee where fans First, they're they're nose to nose chirping with a guy on the Indians, like behind the I don't know if it was like behind the dugout or like by the by the um, on deck circle or whatever. But apparently, some Yankee fans were saying some derogatory shit at the Indians, and one of the Indians players was like nose to nose at the net. And then the Yankees get a walk off, and the dude in right field just starts getting pelted with beer bottles. And Serious? Shit. They just start chucking. I mean, shit. like, what is what is going on? It's a good question. Like, I don't know. The fan behavior, and I usually am, you know, I'm usually one of those people that I don't get too wound up when fans act like jackasses. Yeah, that's that's probably correct. I usually just don't. Yep. I mean, unless you're, like, in my vicinity, in my section, and you're being a jackass, <laughs> then you're annoying me. But, like, if I'm watching on TV and some guy's chirping, I don't really care. But it just seems like it's gotten out of hand, man. Like when you have the I've said that for a while. When you have the guts to throw half full aluminum and glass cans. I think they probably don't have aluminum and plastic bottles and cans at forget that they're they're just they're at people. Like you are basically saying I don't think there's gonna be any repercussions for me. Right. I don't think there's good. I, I saw a story up today on Facebook. Guy walked into Ace Hardware in Milton store, fourteen hundred dollars worth of power tools, and walked out as he was chased with people, like in the middle of the day. Like, what the hell is going on? Why would you think that would just be fine? Just like what? You know, like these guys that are standing behind the dugout, and they're you know, like you're you know, you're talking about somebody's family or what, like. All that's separating you is a net. And you know what you're thinking? There's no repercussions for me, and if you hit me, I'm going to sue you. For sure. 
I'm going to find a way to come out on top. I think Barkley said it. I think I think every pro athlete should get a freebie. Of what? You get a shot. You get one in your career. Oh, okay. You get a freebie. If you're in a basketball game and some dude in the front row is lipping off to you, you can pop him one time and you can't get sued. You do it again, you get you can get sued. But you get one. So you better be smart about it and make it a good one. But you get one. If you're a baseball player and you want to climb into the stands and whoop some guy's ass because he's talking about your wife, you get one. That's it. Or drag <laughs> his ass out onto the field. Whoop his ass in the batter's box. I don't care. That's really. But you get one. How, when did he say this? I don't know. That's really Maybe I made it up. Maybe it's my thing. I don't know. <laughs> I like it. You get one. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. What did I? What did I? You, you know, you, you want to be tough. I mean, even with the Kyrie Irving thing, like you know, he was taking a lot of shit from them Boston fans, yeah. and he flipped them off, and everybody yep. went ooh, and then yeah, and that's then the tunnel suck my yeah, yeah, and that's you know, that's pretty childish. I mean, listen, yeah. like what, you're supposed to be this grown man who's yeah. the smartest guy in the room all the time, and you're resorting to giving people the finger behind your head like you're ten, like okay. Like, how about if you're really offended, step to the guy. Right. That's really interesting. I'm gonna I'm gonna sit on that probably. probably Wouldn't the, that be that would be an awesome that would be an awesome Twitter handle. See, but here's where the like thing. you just post the video of a of a player whooping the shit out of a fan, like a hockey dude, like the dude banging on the penalty box. Like if the dude's in the penalty box and he's just mad, just climbs over the he glass, he just drags yeah. some fucker over yep. there and just, just whoop the shit out of him for thirty seconds. And he doesn't get a penalty, and he doesn't get a fine. Twitter account would be you get at, you get one at free one. Yep, at free one. <laughs> you get one. It's the it's it's your um, it's your aggression hall pass. You know how some people yep. get married and they have a hall pass. Well, that's your that's your athlete aggression hall pass. That's you your, get to whoop the shit out of one guy one time. That's your get out of jail free card. I love that idea. You, you honestly. know, and it might make the fan think twice because you may not want to be that guy that's running your mouth to Shaq. But here's the thing, though. You know fans would find find a way around it. Then they'd be in a competition with each other like, I'm going to be the one who gets their ass kicked. Or now that I know that that guy's used his one, I'm going to razz him the whole time. Because then if Maybe. he hits me, I'm going to come Maybe. out on top. I just like the thought of it's these great. giant athletes beating just, the dog shit out of some punk ass running his mouth. I, I 100% agree. Uh, before we close it out, Madison LaFollette's softball team has lost 16 to nothing, 27 to 1, 24 to nothing, and 17 to nothing. <laughs> well, at least they scored. Yeah, one, one run in four games. One run? That's all we got? One, one goddamn, goddamn run? run. <laughs> well, this has been productive. I like it. Yeah, it's a good one. Free at free one. There you go. Didn't I, have a ton to talk about other no, than NBA, but we made it. We made it. Hope it hour, was entertaining. Hour and ten minutes. We appreciate you listening and uh, downloading. And if you subscribe, thank you very much. And please pass it along to your friends to do the same. Uh, we would appreciate it. I don't know when we're going to be next week because uh, Craig and Milton play baseball on Monday, okay. and then I got a game Tuesday, so maybe Wednesday. Um, but that's that's going to be a big early baseball game. Milton's ranked, I think, seventh. Craig got bumped up to like fifth, maybe, or Milton's ranked third. It, anyway, but Craig just lost, though, right? It's a top ten matchup, yeah. but I, I'm not sure if you lose to Sun Prairie. I don't know how far you drop, but um, should be a good game next week. So so we'll see. But nevertheless, we will be back 
with more uh, intentional foul next week at some point. So until then, I'm Josh. I'm Dan. We thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Enjoy the draft. Go Bucks.